You're doing the research to identify those long tail keywords. You take the keywords, you create pages that are designed to attract traffic based on those keywords. Then on that page that you're creating, you're going to have some type of action that will move people in further into your website and convert them into customers. Are these pages to your website? No, they are in your website. In your website, yes. And depending on what you do, and we'll talk a little bit about landing pages later on, it'll probably be this afternoon before we get to it, but the landing pages will uh, be stripped of all navigational elements where they only have one choice, to do the action you've asked them to do or to leave. So uh, these pages are not just sitting there doing nothing. There's a specific uh, strategy behind having them. So that, because it doesn't do any good if somebody just comes and reads the page and goes away. We want to convert them into a customer. And all these pages are a part of this space that you're talking Yes, about. yes. So let me get out of this slideshow. All right. So the reason for the ominous music thing there was keyword research is when you are doing it professionally, um, it's time consuming. I have a, a person on our staff that this is all she does, is keyword research. And she spends 20 hours a week doing keyword research and she's able to manage about one client per week for me. So she puts in 20 hours easily. And we're talking about churches and school clients so this is not businesses uh, so you, you would think that it's short and easy to do for something like a school but uh, when we do the research we're researching what's happening in your local area uh, we're looking for local geographical um, nicknames for areas you know there's there's a place in uh, where where we had the little micro farm uh, in Washington little town in Idaho across the river and everybody just called it orchards. There were a lot of orchards up in there but that's where what everybody called it. It's not on the map or of course it may be by now that was 30 years ago but uh, it was it was just orchards. So we, if I were doing keyword research for something in that area I would definitely include the term orchards in as a geo, geographic term keywords and that's what she's been doing primarily keywords but because this this adwords planning tool is what she's been using primarily although we're i'm about to pick up a tool for her called uh, spyfu spyfu.com and we're going to to pick that up just because i got too much work coming in and I can't afford for her to spend 20 hours on every client when they're coming in so quickly. So SpyFu is good. If you want to see, here's another one that, um, if you want to see what your competitors are doing, do you know that you can look at your competitors and figure out what keywords their, their uh, strategy is built around? There's a tool called SEM Rush. M as in market, semrush.com.com. 
And they, with that tool, I don't think they have a free option on that one, but it's got a 30-day free trial, I believe. But you can actually look at your competitors' websites and track their online marketing strategy. And the benefit to you to doing that is you can see if there's any gaps. What are they not doing? Uh, so, you know, there's, and there's all kinds of tools out there, but those are, the, those are the top ones. Unfortunately, they're not necessarily cheap either, but, uh, which is why Kim was spending so many hours using the keyword planning tool because you, you go back and you, they have the section for getting the trends and numbers, but then you have to go back and look for more ideas and you put in a bunch of keywords and look for ideas. And then you get those ideas and you put, in, put them into the box again and get even more ideas. And so pretty soon you can have 100 pages of keyword ideas uh, that you're using to, to build out your website planning strategy. Okay, let's move off of this one and get into actual websites. By now you should have your strategy figured out and you should be about ready to build your website. The first thing you're going to need to do is you're going to need to choose a domain name. Now, there are some considerations to choosing your domain name. The first consideration is that it's really hard to get the domain name you want because chances are somebody else has already got it. So it takes creativity and time to do this. If you have designed your, developed your strategy already, you have your marketing strategy all figured out, you have your brand figured out, if you have a name for your farm, that's probably your best bet, hillsidefarms.com. Of course, there are 500 hillsidefarms.com, you know, hillside farms in the U.S., so now what do you do? You're going to have to find something else to add to the domain name somehow, and I would suggest that you don't call it hillsidefarms123.com, uh, you know, like they, you see so often with email addresses. Uh, you're going to have to be creative. You've got something like, I think it's still 64 characters. I, I wouldn't unless it was, if I were trying to position myself as the expert, I might use my name. Let's say if I'm, for a while, I, I mentioned, earlier I mentioned that I was a, a business consultant, that I wasn't doing it much anymore, but when I was active with it, I used my personal website as my domain name, David L. Sharp. There's, I don't know, there's hundreds of David Sharps out there, and half of them are in copywriting or marketing of some kind, so it's, it's really a weird thing. I don't know what it is, but, uh, but I, I used davidlsharp.com. If I were selling artichokes, I wouldn't do that because my name doesn't have anything to do with artichokes unless I have developed my own hybrid called the David L. Sharp hybrid artichoke, then I might do it. But uh, it, this is where it takes a lot of creativity, a lot of thinking, a lot of brainstorming. You may have to ask some other folks to get involved with helping you uh, come up with names. If you already have a name for your farm, start with that and maybe, maybe add the, a geographical term to it. 
So maybe it's Hillside Farms, California, or maybe it's Hillside Farms, Savannah, or something of that nature. Um, it's, it's going to be tricky. And I wish that there was an, a way to tell you how to make it simple, but it's not. Uh, it seems like every time I want to start a new project and I go get to the point where I'm ready to do a domain name, I have to go through 50 dona domain names to find one that I want. And it's almost never the one that I'd like to the most because somebody else has got it. I'll show you here in just a minute. I would highly recommend that you stay away from any domain other than a .com, .org, or .net. In fact, when you register the domain name, I would get all three of those and never mind the rest of them. I have not seen many, if any, domains ending in .biz, .info, .name, .any of the other things other than uh, .com, .net, .org. And if somebody else has the .com name, move on, because that's what everybody types in by default. For example, when we started our organization, we called it Good News Advocates. Again, it was because it was the only domain name that we could find that, that was anywhere close to, to what we were trying to do. So we, we got all three, goodnewsadvocates.org, .com, .net. And as our organization evolved, we decided that the .com domain, part of the, you know, the goodnewsadvocates.com, would be our commercial operation because we've got a commercial operation to help support us uh, where we provide services to companies. Our .org domain, we decided, would be our ministry, our, our nonprofit domain. Goodnewsadvocates.com, goodnewsadvocates.org, our business. It was, it was an unrelated business type of thing, commercial, where we're offering commercial services as opposed to our, our free services that we were offering to churches and schools. Well, what happens? Everybody's typing in, what was the name of that? goodnewsadvocates.com. Good news, good you know, they just type in goodnewsadvocates.com and they'd end up on our commercial site rather than on our nonprofit site. It, and it didn't matter what I did to try to train people otherwise, they always typed in .com. So if you find hillsidefarms.com is taken, but .net, hillsidefarms.net is not taken, move on. Don't try to capture the .net and use that because people will still type in .com and they're gonna go to this other website, not yours. So, Changed the name to Center for Online Evangelism. We rebranded completely. And now goodnewsadvocates.com is, our, is our, still our commercial operation. Okay, somebody asked about how to check a domain. I use Namecheap dot com to get a to get a domain name you have to use a registrar 
You have to use a company that registers and controls domain names. I've been using Namecheap since, since I don't know when. It's been 10 years at least, and I've been very happy with them. Com. Namecheap.com. This is a registrar. This is a registrar. Now you can use GoDaddy. Uh, you can use any number of registrars. Enom is another one. In fact, Enom is is probably behind all of the others, but or I mean, is actually underneath the one that's actually produ providing the services. And these are white labeled services. Um, let's, they've changed things a little bit. No, no, those are different services. So I'll, I'll show you in a minute. So what is a registrar? I mean, someone who They control the, they sell, control the domain names. And, and this is just where you go to get a domain name. Yes, yes. Now, and as you can see, as, yeah, you can see. You can see that they, not only do they have domains, but they have hosting services and a few other things. I don't use them for anything but, but domain names, so I can't speak to the quality of their other services. Okay, you see this box here? It says register a domain name, and then there's a search box. If you're doing what I was just suggesting, you're, you're not going to have just one domain name to check. You're going to have a, a whole handful. So click on bulk options, and then you can enter up to 50 name options right there. And what I would suggest is clicking on this one, search these extensions, and then make sure you're searching .com, .net, and .org. The rest I'm not too worried about. Okay, there's the bulk options. It's, and I don't know if, I would assume that Go, GoDaddy has a bulk search option as well. I just like to, to use the bulk option because it saves me a lot of time. I do my brainstorming up front and then I enter in the domain names and, and go from there. And then like I said, make sure that you've checked .com, .net, and .org and not worry about the rest of it. And I'll just show you what you get. Remember I said I'd, Microform Journal was one that I was reviving. And let's see. That's that's what I would suggest, that it's because those types of services are about you and what you offer, whereas, uh, you know, if you have a farm or other type of business, it's more, uh, it's not tied to a person as much. Yeah. Can a for-profit business use ORG? Mm -hmm. Technically, they shouldn't, but it's done. But what I would suggest is instead of using it, if you're not a nonprofit, instead of using it, I would still buy it to keep somebody else from 
snagging it because those three extensions, .com, .org, and .net, are the most commonly used and they're the ones that most commonly show up in search results. And, you know, like I said, the, the .info, the .biz, and so on, don't show up as much in search rankings. And I don't know that it's anything against those extensions. It's just they don't show up much. Um, it, it could, but it gets, that's not the reason I'm suggesting that you pick up all three. I, I would say just use one. In, in this case, the microfarmjournal.com is going to be the main site. The only reason I have purchased microfarmjournal.net and .org is so that nobody else comes in and buys those and puts up a competing site that becomes confusing. And it's also the reason why I picked up Microfarm Journal as a domain name, not because I want to, not because I'm going to do something different, but because it's, it's the, I'm just controlling it mm -hmm. globally. It can be accessed from anywhere in the world. You can do pretty much whatever you want to except control what people's perceptions of it are. So, you know, if, if you want to do it that way, yeah. As far as the legal aspects of it, yeah. That, that I would hesitate to comment on because uh, I don't want to get stuck giving legal advice since that's not my strength. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Because domain names do not have spaces in them. They all have to be crammed in together. All right, so I'm going to scroll down here and ignore, wow, they've really expanded. All of these are extensions, by the way, like the .com ending of a domain name, so ignore all of those. I'm gonna click search. A URL is a domain name? No, no, there's a difference. The domain name, well, let's, yeah, you can see up here, okay. This area that I'm highlighting right there, namecheap.com, that's the domain name. Okay, that's just the, that's, I'm trying to think of an, it's the foundation of the whole thing. This entire string of characters here is the URL. URL means Uniform Resource, uniform resource Locator. And it just tells where to go find that page. There's no weight in extension names. I just was reading an article about that last night because I had a question myself. There is no weight on the domain names. Google has said over and over again that they don't give any preference to anything. However, what they say and what you see is a little bit different. And what we see is that it's rare for anything other than a country level domain, you know, like, like uh, .co.uk for Britain, or .ly for Libya, or .ru for Russia. So for those of you that, that aren't speaking this language con continuously, do you understand what I'm talking about by country uh, extensions? Okay. The, in, uh, in England, the Amazon domain name would probably be amazon.co.uk instead of amazon.com. 
in in Libya or in Russia, it might be, if they had one in Russia, it would be Amazon.ru because it's the Russian country-level domain. So country-level domains and the three top-level domains of .com, .org, and .net are the ones that seem to rank the highest, the most consistently. Occasionally, you'll see the .us and .gov, uh, you know, for government sites. Those will show up uh, high, but I. I just don't see .info, .biz, .anything else showing up. And you know, your experience may vary. You just you have to watch. Google says no, there's no weight given to, to those extensions, but I just haven't seen it, I haven't seen it play out that way. I think that's, well see, there's one of the factors that that is at play here is that when you look at a website at a listing on the search result part of what you do when you click through part of what you're looking at is does this look like a credible result dot biz dot info and some of these other extensions do not have a good reputation because when they first came out they they were you know lots of scam and spammy sites and junk stuff and so they just don't have the credibility now that the .com, .org, and .net domains have. Yes, and that's what I do. Uh, why I buy all three, and then I have the .net and .org, I send them to... What's that term? Redirect. And you do that in the account, in your registrar's account, you do that redirect, and you'd have to follow the, their tutorials because it's different for each one of them and it changes. So I saw a question. Mine was the same. Okay. The .edu, not in your top. .edu, you must be an educational institution. You must be a higher education. You have to be, uh, I think you have to be an academy or higher, a high school or higher, and you have to prove it. So, okay. So you can see here in my, my results that these three already are taken, which I already knew because they're mine. Um, and then you can see all these other extensions here that they're available, and if I wanted, I can just click on, on the cart and then go through the checkout process. Ah, there's the widgets or us. See, somebody's, somebody's even got widgets or us registered, but they haven't registered .net or .org, contrary to my advice. But what would happen if you got widgetsrs.org? People are going to type in widgets, you know, they're going to find, try to find Dave at widgetsrs.com. And I'm not at .com, I'm at .org, and it just causes the, too much conflict. So I would avoid, you know, like I said, if somebody's got the .com, move on. Next choice. And get all three, and then go through the the tutorials in the, uh, at the registrar to find out how to redirect the to, to the .com. Get them as well and just redirect them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so are we clear on domain names and issues and all that around them? This is a very important thing because your domain name you should pick it and stick with it. Don't be switching around domain names every three months 
put some thought into this. And if you've already got a domain name, uh, you know, there's a good chance that, that you want to stay with it unless there's a really good reason to rebrand. You know, we've had conversations about yours and ended up deciding to just leave it as is. When you make the change, you're going to lose any, any juice that you had with Google uh, on the old domain name. It's, it's going to be like you're starting from scratch. So make sure you make the decision uh, knowing what, what the consequences are. And, and make sure that you're happy with the name because, like I said, you're going to want to stick with it. All right, you've got, your you've got your domain name registered, and now you need a platform. You need a place to put your website. You need to, before you find a place to, to put your website, I would recommend that you, you choose how you are going to uh, publish your, how you, what you're going to use, what software are you going to use to create your website. I'm going to just say right up front, stick with WordPress. WordPress is the most common. There's, I think it's into the billions now of websites. It's open source, free software. It has so many people working on, on improvements and so on that it's become the standard for websites now. It started out as a blog platform, but it is customizable to do just about anything you want. And if it's something you don't, that something that you want it to do that it doesn't do, you can probably find a plug-in to add to it and it will do whatever you want. You can make WordPress sit up and dance for you. It's, a, it's software. And we're going to talk about where you put it and all of that here in just a minute. Please do not go to WordPress.com and sign up for an account and think that you've got a website now because uh, there are some issues that you don't want to be dealing with. You're going to want to have your own website that you control the server and everything else. So uh, what Milton was talking about, there's WordPress.com where people can sign up and get an account and start, start blogging, a little bit like Blogspot, if any of you are familiar with the old Blogspot days. Um, WordPress.org is where the software is. However, I'll tell you in a minute where you don't even have to go there to pick up the software. So don't stress too much about installation and all that kind of thing because there's shortcuts now. So what you're going to be doing in essence is you're going to be getting a piece of software and you're going to be installing it on another computer that's not yours and that's where your website's going to be. The, uh, and, and I'll get into that in just a moment. Let me tell you real quick a couple of other options that you have. You can build an HT, yes ma'am. .org is where you will go if you go to either one. But I'm gonna show you how not to, not to do that. HTML is the language that web pages are written in, or one of them. And an HTML website is not quite as popular as it was. You have to have special programs to edit. Um, you have to have somebody who knows how to handle the coding. And it 
is not something that just anybody can do. One of the nice things about WordPress is that anybody can learn how to use the interface and put content on the website. HTML, not so much. There's, you, have to, you really have to put some effort into HTML. Multi-site platforms are an option, and WordPress.com is one of those. These are often free or low cost, and they have some, some advantages in that they are very easy to use generally. These are where you have a company that has many websites that are all using the same software. Um, you sign up and they automatically give you an, I mean, they automatically generate an account and you can just go right in there and start moving things around and, and so on. Some of the options are Wix, Weebly, and Squarespace. I would recommend against them. They're easy. Some of them look very nice, but you are building a house on rented land. Um, you don't have any control over it. And just recently, I think that it was Wix, Google went in and de-indexed all of the Wix, or a good portion of the Wix sites. And de-indexed means it's not in the search engines at all. So a lot of people who had put an awful lot of work into their websites woke up one morning and they're not showing up in Google, which means no search traffic. The only way they get traffic is people typing in their domain name directly or uh, from a link from somewhere else. No search traffic. Yeah, it, and the functionality is limited too. So if you, if you get to the point where you decide you want to hire somebody to come in and work on your website so that you can take it up a notch and, and get a, a little more reach into your market, if you have a Wix or Weebly or Squarespace or WordPress.com site, they're probably going to say, you know what, it's not going to happen because we don't like to work on those kinds of sites because, like I said, they have limited functionality. They're just not... Anytime you get something that's extremely easy to use, you can figure that there's a, a reason it's easy to use. It's, it's going to have some uh, hobbles put on it, so to speak. It's, it's just not going to, to do everything possible. Hosting account. You're going to need a hosting account. So we've got the domain. We've chosen the platform or the software that we're going to run the website on. Now that software has to have a place to be. It can't be on your computer or at your desk. Uh, it's just not going to work. So there are companies called hosting companies, web hosting companies, that will s sell you space on their computers. And... Typically, your primary restriction is how much space are you renting on their hard drive? And that is going to be the constraint that determines how big your website could be. Somebody was asking about how big the site, whether you were charged by page or what. You're charged by gigabyte of disk space. And this web hosting company they maintain the servers, the web server, the computer that, that holds all the information and takes, you know, when you click on a, on a search result in Google, it sends the request to the web server through, 
through a couple of other channels, but we'll just shorten it here. It goes straight, it goes to the web server. The web server sends back the page, the text, the files, the images, the information that you see as a web page. Okay, so all that information has to be, live somewhere, and there has to be a file clerk that's taking the information and, and passing it out to all the people who are looking at your website. That's what the web server does. And so we, we talk about web server, and, and it, it's a little ambiguous here, but I'm talking about the, the hardware and the software that takes care of passing all the information out. So you're going to need a hosting account. And I'm going to recommend, so we've already talked about that, I'm going to recommend two sites. There are others. These are two that I have worked with, HostGator and Site5. And you can take either one of those and add the .com onto it and end up at their website. They have different types of hosting packages available. And they also have good tutorials on how to set up a website, how to, how to handle everything. They also, both of these, have good support systems, support staff. I have started lately leaning towards Site5. They have a little bit better tech support, uh, but they are very, both of them are good. You can get them on the phone, you can do a live chat, you can email them, and you can ask them questions, and often they'll just go right in and fix the problem for you. Yes, you can go to, you can go to their, these are companies that have server farms, you know, rooms full of, of servers in various parts in the country and even around the world. And then, and they will sell you space on that. And this is where you, your website will actually live there. They, well, the, ho the hosting account, often the, the server, at least at the level you're going to be working at, one computer, one actual physical machine may have a hundred different websites on it. And it's just got software that's really good at passing out the file information properly. Um, well, that's a simplification, but you're, they have different packages. And you just, so you don't have to say, oh, I need, I need 2.7 gigabytes, and, and so can you please rent me that much? No, you, they have a package, and you, so it says, this package will allow two websites. This package, you can have as many websites on it as you want. This package has even more, you know, so there's different levels. And are these, like, written by month or by day or by By year? month. By month, although often you can get a discount if you pay for it by the year. I have, I have one, I have a server, I have an account with both of these companies right now. And in, with both of them, I have what's called a reseller account, which allows me to have multiple websites for each account. So uh, the one on Site5, I think I've got three different websites on that. And on my HostGator account, I've got four websites on it and getting ready to add another one. So it's shared hosting. And if you were dealing with e-commerce, like we were talking about a while ago, this would not work. You need, you need something more than, than the shared hosting that we're talking about. And so this is another reason for not getting into the e-commerce too much. But 
It's a monthly fee. My reseller accounts are running $25 a month. And the, for both of them, for each one is $25 a month. Yeah. And I can have as many websites on it as, as I can cram into the space. You can get, I think they've got an option. I think HostGator has or did have one that would handle two websites, and I think it was $9.95 a month. But I never did like the interface for handling it. It didn't give me enough options, so I always liked the reseller account, and I had always had enough websites active so that it made sense to have those. It will unless you have a lot of business. If you have, and, and I don't know what the threshold is, but e-commerce places a lot of demands. If, if you've ever watched your computer, if you have a lot of programs open, it, it starts getting slower and slower. E-commerce has a demand on the system like that just because of all the different activities that are happening. So yes, it will work for a smaller operation, but if you are running a lot of orders through the system, you're probably going to need a, a higher level. Both of these companies have it available, but you're gonna pay $50 a month for it instead. A domain name will cost you 10 to $20 a year. Yeah, I, now you can also, GoDaddy is also a host, and I should just mention them because you're going to, you're going to see a lot of sites running on it. I don't like it because, I don't like them because they have some issues in the terms of service that allows them to shut things down that I don't like. So, um, you know, you got kind of got to watch they, this is a case of a really good marketing company. Um, I just happen to not like some of the things that they do. And some people won't use them because they have issues with their advertising. So, you know, it's just all issues that you have to consider. You can. I can't. I'm on a satellite connection, and I'm, my satellite is so slow that if I did that, people would never come back to my website. If you have fiber optic, if I lived in Chattanooga where I could get 100 megabit per second in a, internet, um, which for those of you who do not know, that's kind of like the speed of light. And so it's really, really, really fast. Um, yeah, if you have really good fast internet, you can do that. But we'll talk about page speed in a minute here, and that's something that you have to kind of watch for too. Are we semi-clear? Okay, see, they've got one here. They've got an account here that starts at five fifty-six a month. So uh, they've even dropped their prices. Okay, they've got a WordPress hosting. This VPS is something... Uh, hmm, that seems a little odd price there, but uh, the VPS hosting is something that you'd want to do for e-commerce. I'd just start there. Mine's... Mine's the reseller account, and I think it's the aluminum. Yeah. So, so see, it's it doesn't look like all that much, but I'm a, I I have four websites on it right now that are doing just fine. So, uh, you know, you, there are there are options that you've got. WordPress hosting. I'm not sure what they've got. 
Okay, so, so one, of the, one of the restrictions, see, average monthly site traffic. Most of you, unless you're doing something globally, are not likely to have 100,000 visitors per month. You know, so this, this starter might not be a bad place to, to start. However, what you might do is you might run out of disk space because that's only one gigabyte. And if you are putting a lot of pictures of your produce uh, and your farm on your website, then you're going to start using up disk space. So, and, and if you have videos and things of that nature, although videos you, you would probably want to host on YouTube or Wistia or some other hosting site so that you didn't use up so much of your space, but well, it's got to be somewhere. The disk space has to be somewhere. So, yes, YouTube videos you can embed. You can actually embed onto a web page. It's just a, adding a little snippet of code into it. Videos usually are done that way. Yeah, but images. You want typically you want to keep on your computer because the speed time, the speed for loading the page, is a factor that Google looks for very carefully. I thought I might be able to make it until lunchtime without running out the battery, but it's not happening. By the way, if I get carried away and not paying attention to the time, and it hits 12 o'clock, let me know so that I can stop. Installing CMS is, a, is an acronym for content management system. You're going to be using WordPress, I hope. Um, Word, HostGator and Site5 have a spot, and I'm, I'll just tell you about it. They have tutorials that show you how to do it easily. You can go in and click a couple of buttons. It automatically installs WordPress for you adds a couple of very important pieces of information, and you're ready to go. Content management system. So this is a process that has to happen. But like I said, if you use either of these hosting companies, they have a button that you can push. And it literally, it's, it's like one push of a button, enter in your email address, click go, and it's it installs and then you can start working on your site yeah there's a there's a button that you push the button and it starts a script that does the installation for you yes because we were talking about how to you know this is what this is the shortcut I was saying you don't even need to go to wordpress.org because these two companies will you know have it automated setup for you it makes life so much easier. I can set up a, now I can set up a WordPress website in under an hour, including the registering a domain, getting the site installed, getting a theme set up, which we'll talk about in a minute, and getting the security set up and all ready to add content in less than an hour. So it's, it's a lot, got a lot of automation available now. A theme I did not talk about. And I need to tell you about real quickly. WordPress is the package of software. It's like the software engine. WordPress uses themes, which is a, another piece of the package that determines what the site looks like. So this is why you look at the web and so many websites look different from each other because they're using different themes. 
And then there are themes that are customizable so that you can make the theme look like whatever you want it to. I recommend highly that you use a, what's called a premium theme. There, there are themes that you have to pay for and they run any, I've, I've paid $200 for one and I've paid $45 for one. So it's, it varies. The one I'm using right now is from Elegant Themes and it's called Divi. And it's one of the easiest to use themes I've ever used in my life. Uh, I love it. And I can make it look, every website looks different because it's so customizable. Premium themes you need to use because of security issues. Um, a premium theme developer is much more likely to be careful about security holes. Um, there are millions of attacks on websites, hacking attacks on websites every day. It's, it's just a fact of life. You're going to have to pay attention to security on your website. This is another reason I use WordPress is because there are two um, really good plugins and literally, uh, not literally, skip this and your website's going to die. It's going to happen at some point because there are server farms set up in Russia and in the Ukraine and all they do is attack websites, looking for vulnerabilities, looking for ways to hack the website, take over control of it. Your hosting company will handle some of that, will handle some of the security, but there are also many holes that can happen on your side where it becomes your responsibility. So you must pay attention to the security. Fortunately, with WordPress, there's buttons to push. First thing is, again, use the premium theme because somebody that you've paid money to is more likely to pay attention to that. And I would strongly, strongly recommend that you use a reputable security plugin. You can use iThemes security, or you can use WordFence. Or if you are safety-minded, you can use both. They play well together. Uh, in fact, often they're complementary. Uh, I often will run both of them to make sure that the vulnerabilities are all covered and then I'll disable one of them because running both of them sometimes will reduce the page load. It slows down the responsiveness of my website. Okay, any, any questions about this? These two plugins have, have lists that they, they do an audit of the site and then they tell you, you need to fix this, you need to fix that, and then they tell you how to fix it. So I'm not going to go into great detail on them because they're fairly self-explanatory. If you follow it, you can't break it. Well, they can take, they can take your, your website about your farm and turn it into a recruiting page for, for Islamic Jihad. It's done all the time. Uh, I, I was looking at some sites before I went to ASI in Spokane this year, and one of the ministry's websites had been hacked and, and was a big recruiting page for ISIS. So, you know, the black flag and beheading and all of that stuff. So um, then they can also 
turn your page into something that when a visitor comes and looks at your page, it will download a virus into their computer and take over their computer. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff that you don't want to know half of it. But, yeah, it's, it's important. If something like that happens, you can't resist? Yes. If you're careful. <laughs> if you've done things right, you need to always have a backup. You need to have regularly scheduled backups, and these two, these two uh, plugins will help you schedule backups. And then you need to work with the hosting company to, you know, their support department can help you recover. Or they may say, you know what, sorry, it's too much damage, we can't do it. So, yeah, and that's why you need that backup. You go to the most, you go to the backup that didn't have the viruses in it or the malware or whatever. Was the, back, was the backup your database backup or is it something you're paying for system? No, it's yours. What, what you do, at least how I do it, is I have it scheduled to automatically generate the backup and then it's emailed to me. It's compressed and emailed to me and it's stored on, on my computer. Once in a while that happens. You, it doesn't matter, you can do everything and these guys, these guys spend hours looking for new ways. And so once in a while there'll be a new hole that they find and before you can get it fixed on your computer, you know, you've got the virus or your site gets hacked. And sometimes you do, you lose everything. And so one of the things to do is not only keep a backup, but whenever you write a web page, create a web page, save the text somewhere on your computer so that you've got a file somewhere. You can store your backups there, but it's still vulnerable. All right, the schedule says that we're done for the morning. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.